Hello and welcome everyone to It's Gone, a fantasy baseball podcast presented by Sports Ethos. And I'm very excited today because I have got a special guest on to discuss all kinds of great things. Uh, this time of year, we're going to talk about spring training, the highs, the lows, everything in between. We also are in not the same league, but in the uh, the great fantasy baseball invitational. Uh, those drafts are going on right now. That is all handled by uh, Justin Mason. So I kind of want to hear what my guest has to say, how his draft is going. And then we can complain about how slow they are, even though they are a slow draft, as slow is in the name. But we'll get into that, I promise. But our main topic is to also talk about bounce back players. And those are the kind of players I love to target, you know, late, you know, ADP falls and you get a player that had a bad year this past year, but has had a tr track record of success. We're going to talk about a bunch of those, but before we get into that, of course, I have to introduce, and I am honored to have him on my podcast because he has an on podcast that is wildly successful. I love it. It's awesome. It's called the Fantasy Baseball Beat. It's presented by Triple Play Fantasy, and I know those guys. They're very, very great. And his co-host, Mr. Carlos Macano and Mr. Torres, but there is more. This is also a man who is a senior writer at Fantrax, whose latest article about head-to-head -head points league strategies for 2023 is a absolute must read it if you play in points leagues. I personally don't. It's too complicated, but I read the article and now I think I can go conquer head-to-head -head points leagues drafts. So it's a must read. Go check that out at Fantrax. And also there's more. A man who I have met and I can personally guarantee he is one of the nicest, one of the most genuine, uh, one of the most fun, that's a different story for a later day, uh, people uh, in the fantasy baseball uh, world. And so it is my honor to have him here. It is Mr. Mike Carter. Thank you so much for being here, Mike. Wow. With that introduction, I feel like I've actually done something that might be important in my life. Uh, Thank you for that. Very kind. It was also um, unbelievably cool meeting you in Arizona last fall. I hoping that we're going to be able to continue that again in November. And I'm really, really happy to be here with you. I'm really excited that you asked me to, to be on. When I saw that you were doing a podcast, I was hoping that you would ask me to be on. So I'm really happy to be here with you. Well, once again, those are very kind words. I really appreciate it. And, you know, that's one of the fun things about going to Arizona the for the uh, Arizona Fall League and um, the first pitch that put on by uh, Baseball HQ. It's like you get you get to meet people and without a doubt. And I went there not really knowing anybody. And, and you know, I went and talked to people. Everybody is nice. It was so mm -hmm. strange. Like, you know, it's kind of one of those one of those atmospheres in the world these days that you know, you're, you're kind of nervous about meeting people, but it couldn't have been greater. It couldn't have been nicer. Everybody was cool. And I mean, 
like from, you know, like the, the stars, like I met, uh, you know, uh, 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 Frank Stanfall from CBS and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I met just people like in the elevator, in the hall, uh, the, gr- the, the great Tim McLeod, uh, I, I met, uh, literally bumped into him walking out as he was walking into the hotel. Couldn't have been cooler. So it was awesome. So I was lucky enough to meet, uh, meet Mike out there and hang out a little bit. And I want everybody to please follow Mike at uh, MDRC0508 on Twitter and check out his podcast, uh, The Fantasy Baseball Beat, which I know you won't say this because you're like humble, you know. But I'm not, so I'm going to say it. It was nominated for an award in its first year. That's amazing. That's got to be a record. I don't know. I don't know anything about records, but I know that um, we're having a really good time doing it. We're learning on the go. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback from people that seem to be enjoying it. We have a couple of surprises that are coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We're, We're reaching out to some other people and kind of expanding the show a little bit, which is going to be really cool. Um we just really feel like it's kind of an underserved market. We don't really hear a lot from fantasy, uh, you know, well in fantasy, we don't hear a lot from beat reporters and they have a really good conduit to the team. So that's been kind of the motto that we've been doing. And and I really just tag along. I mean, I, I can write a little bit, I can help with the scripting, but Torres is a great host and Carlos does all the editing and post-production work. And I just kind of sit there and ask questions and, and think about what's going on a little bit, but it's been a really good time. We really enjoy it. We were surprised, um, you know, when you see your name up there with like some of the titans of industry, you're, it's a little bit, you know, it's humbling. It's, it kind of blows you away a little bit, you know, like we were really excited just to even be considered to be in the same breath as those guys. I mean, three years ago, I wasn't doing anything in fantasy other than playing it. So to get in an opportunity to write and to be rubbing elbows with some of these great people. And I got the Glarf draft coming up this Saturday night as well in Chicago you know, I, it's like, I don't want to say it's a dream come true because that sounds kind of weird and it's kind of lazy, but it's been really, really cool to be at this stage of my life and be able to uh, be involved with that has been remarkable. I mean, I, I kind of equate it to like that old SNL skit where, you know, Chris Farley's interviewing Paul McCartney. And he's like, remember when you were in the Beatles and like all starstruck, you know, like I, I, go to Arizona, I go to Arizona and I'm like, oh, that's the same thing with Tim McLeod. I'm like, that's Tim McLeod. I've been reading him since I don't even want to say because I don't want to date Tim, but like unbelievable. And they they couldn't be nicer. Justin is to me the captain of the team of the entire industry, brings people together. One of the nicest people I've met. I mean, honestly, I was in the room for 15 minutes. He's like, hey, why don't you come to lunch with us? And I'm like texting my family. I'm like, I'm having lunch with these guys. And they're like, nobody cares, Dad. You know? <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. But um, it was it's a really great experience being in Arizona. It comes at a great time in the fall when the weather starts to suck in Chicago. It's great to get out of town and do that and to meet people. I had the same experience that you did this year, Britain, when I went the first time. You know, you, you go, you don't really know anybody. You're meeting, you have expectations. You're kind of doing that. And it just exceeded my expectations. So if you're listening to this and you're contemplating going – Yes, it can be expensive to get down there. It is so worth it. It is literally four days of talking baseball with like-minded people. You can't beat it. It's great. I a hundred percent agree with everything you said. I went I went out there without knowing anybody. Just you know, not you know, not, just hoping that uh, you know I would like make a friend or two. And and frankly, I made quite a few just because everybody is so nice and gracious and like. Uh, 
and 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 I will move on here in a second, but it, like there were two days where I got a ride with uh, a complete stranger that was also at the seminar to uh, a baseball park, uh, you know, right. one in Peoria, one in uh, Camelback Ranch, and these were just nice people. And I'm like, hey, this is this is a great community, and like you said, it's it's uh, uh, a lot of it is with uh, Justin Mason. He does a lot for the community, and one of the things he does for for fantasy baseball folks that love it is puts on this, uh, this great big fantasy baseball tournament uh, called TGFBI. I never get that right. I really don't. <laughs> I, and frankly, no one knows, and, but that's okay. I think it's called the great fantasy baseball invitational. That is correct. Yes. And so it's, uh, it's, it, it's a time for people that, you know, write articles like you do. And also I, I have a, uh, uh, podcasts and you know fantasy baseball people to compete against each other also with uh fantasy base you know fantasy baseball players too out there and it's on the nfbc uh, uh website so it's great to get involved with because you kind of get used to the mm -hmm. whole nfbc aspect of it but yes but yes. i was going to ask you how is how, how is your it's a 15 team uh fab league mm -hmm. um so let so let me and that's true. And it, it's your standard five by five, like no, mm -hmm. no OBP, no uh, saves plus holds. It's, it's, it's old school five by five. Um, so tell me how your draft's going. Um, are you getting what you want? Where, where did you draft? And you, you know, what are, and uh, I also wanted to talk to you, like, do you have a don't draft list? I was uh -huh. curious, but yeah, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I, I, um, I tend when I'm drafting with these expert type people, and let's face it, I mean, TGFBI is full of sharks. My father-in-law always used to say that if you sit down at the table and you can't figure out who the mark is, it's you. <laughs> That's right. Rounders. Yeah. Right. Right. So I sit there and I'm going, okay, I'm in a room. I'm with uh, Brian Rudd. I'm with Ariel Cohen. I'm with Toby. Uh, oh you know, man. Bad flip yeah. crazy. I'm like, um, I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> And but after I get I get over that pretty quickly because what I feel is like we're all pretty good players. Um, you have to have a process and you have to really trust your process. And I think the thing that I learned in the last couple of years playing in these uh, expert leagues is to really really look at your process, really hone in on that during the winter time, and then to trust the work that you've done. And it's either going to work out or it's not. It's not like you're, you know, you're putting the life of your firstborn child on it or anything <laughs> like that. It's just, it's just money. It's just for fun. Um, but I want to see how I play against the best players because I think I'm, I'm getting better as a player. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working harder on that. So I tend to try to draft in the middle um, of these because I don't want to get stuck on anything. I don't really buy into the whole idea of runs. I think, you know, people say, oh get in on the close before the closer run or whatever. I, I have an idea of where I think I want to go. And my friend, Dave McDonald, who's in Glarf kind of suggested this to me a long time ago, which is you kind of start from the back and move up. Right. So like yeah. you kind of look at what you can get there towards the end and then kind of build from there. So I had the seventh pick overall. I was pretty happy with that. Um, I was really hoping that Jose Ramirez was going to fall to me. He got picked ahead of me. I went with Kyle Tucker and and it kind of it kind of changed my thought process a little bit. And and what I'm seeing is, and what I'm kind of feeling, could be dead wrong on this, is that I feel like with the rule changes and the things that are happening this year, that the value of pitching is getting pushed down. I don't feel that I need to get an upper echelon, top rated 
number one starter, if I can get into the so-called glob later on, that it represents a buying opportunity for me against Sharks if they're all going for pitching early, then I can stockpile bats. So what I did was I went Tucker, Simeon, Arenado in my first three rounds. Then I pivoted the closer and got Devin Williams because I have him ranked really high, top five closer for me this year. Um, I think he's 30 saves waiting to happen with really great ratios and Ks. I wanted to have a guy that I knew that I could kind of build on there. And then since I write about bullpens, I'd like to think, I don't know if it will really happen or not, but I'd like to think that I might be able to fill in around that later on and maybe get some guys that have 10, 12, 15 saves that might be flying on the radar. I mean, we know last year over 250 guys had saves in the major leagues, right? So there's going to be saves out there. I don't want to chase them in fab though. I learned that the hard way last year. I don't want to do that again. So I did that, and then I, I got uh, Tay Oscar Hernandez, who I think is going to hit 30 home runs easily uh, this year in a Seattle lineup that's loaded. Stevenson is my catcher, and then I came back and got Mount Castle to play first base. So I feel like I got a really good base of power. I got Nestor Cortez and Darvish as my two starters so far, and I'm going to build around that. I'm not too worried about the Cortez injury. I know some people are. I'm going to kind of work with that. So I kind of wanted to get a base of operations so that I could kind of take what I would consider to be the best player available. I don't like getting into this idea of I have to have a catcher here because I think that that really limits you strategy wise. And so I'm pretty happy with how it's going so far. I'll have to see what happens when you have Ariel Cohen in back of you and in front of you. (laughs) It's a terrifying experience because I know that he knows more than me. Um, He's as sharp as they come. And um, I felt good though and knowing that I was getting sniped for guys that I wanted in that spot. So to me, it builds up the idea that even if it doesn't go the way that I want it to, that my process is good. Cause I'm looking at the other people around me and saying, this guy's a better player than me. And if he's kind of thinking the same way that I am, that makes me think that maybe I'm on the right path after all. I think you're a hundred percent right. And getting Tucker at the seventh pick is awesome. Uh, the aforementioned Tim McLeod took him second overall at at the uh, uh i think it was labor tout wars one of one of those and i'm i'm with you too i i think getting a outfielder that is c- can be 30 30 mm-hmm. you know on a on a good team uh is the way to go uh in the in the mid rounds where did otani go in your draft oh that's a good question i let me look that up while we're sitting here talking i I don't remember exactly. I think he went further than what, you you know, uh, longer than what people would think. Um, It seems like people have a hard time figuring out how to value him in a lot of different leagues, don't you think? A hundred percent. But I'm all aboard the Otani train, toot, toot, because, and this is, I, I, I have this firmly held belief. Okay, so Aaron Judge last year had the, he's 30, he had the best, statistically the best year of his career most stolen bases most home runs most everything he's 30 Mm -hmm. years old okay Mm -hmm. and it just happened to be a year where he's going to be a free agent we call this the old contract year bump where i believe that if you're otani and you're he's a he's smart he's got a team behind him he looks around and says Hey, you know what? If I have a great season pitching, if I pitch like an ace and I hit like a, a star, like last year, mm-hmm. you know, like let's say 
30 home runs, 20 stolen bases. That, that that that's a that's a first round or second round at worst hitter but you've right. also but you've also got the ace that pitches every five or six days too like you've got to think that he's like if if you have a good season this season you are going to get paid the dodgers are literally going to rename their stadium otani stadium <laughs> and pay you whatever you want because that's the market. Uh, Andrew Benatendi got $75 million. And, he did. And you can't tell me that that's not a, that, that's not a market incorrection of, of what's going on. Like, he's nowhere near. He, he can't carry Otani's bags to the bus if Otani has, has a good season. So I, I'm totally bought into that because I think players and their teams, uh, their agents, lawyers, girlfriends, wives, uh, you know, all the entourage, you know, Turtle, uh, Johnny mm-hmm. Drama, like everybody, all you have to do is have a good season. And you're going not only going to be set for life, you're going to be set for other people's lives for, you know, the next 100 years or so. Yeah. yeah. So Gener- Generational wealth is coming for him. That's no, it, There's no it, doubt about that. It, it's coming. And if Judge had a bad year, like – Got hurt in the middle, 20 home runs, you know, you know, five stolen bases. I don't think he's getting that contract. I, I, I honestly don't. I think everything, there's so much at stake. I love Otani. But, of course, I'm getting – I'm starting to rant, Mike. I really am. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, st- I'm, starting, I'm starting to rant about contract here because you looked at those contracts and they were giving out money like every – Xander Bogart, like everybody got paid and – I think if you're in a contract year, you looked at what happened this offseason, and if you're an elite player, hey, baby, game on. And if I got something that hurts on my side, give me the needle. Give me the whatever. I'm getting on that field, and I'm going <laughs> to make it I'm going to make it happen. You know yeah, I, mean? I, don't th- I don't think he's got to worry too much about it. I mean, I think his, his skill set is so unique. And looking back at our draft, I was absolutely incorrect. He went second in our league. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, which which is a little surprising, but um, I can un- totally understand the draw there. Um, so yeah, I, I think overall with TGFBI, I'm happy so far. Um, I, I I will have to kind of see how things go. I love this slow draft stuff, though, man. Like I, I people, a lot of people complain about how long it takes to do them, but I love that idea that I'm at work and I'm dealing with a situation, and at my lunch break, I can kind of stop. Not that I really get a lunch break in the therapeutic day school world, but. I can take a look at it real quick and see, okay, I'm on the clock and what's available to me. How does this fit my build? I love having that time. One of the things that's really challenging for me about doing stuff like Glarf is that we have a minute, you have a minute to pick, you know? So it's like, you got to really kind of map that out and you talk about a room full of players. Good God. Yeah. Yeah, One minute, (laughs) 60 seconds. You got to have plan A, plan B, plan C and plan D like ready to go at a second's notice. Exactly. 60 seconds sounds like a lot. It is It not. is not. It goes really fast. No really doubt. Really fast. Well, that sounds good. I picked eighth, and I picked uh, Juan Soto. I just got a weird feeling. Great, that Juan great Soto, choice. Great choice. Thank you so much. I, I just have a weird feeling that Juan Soto is going to have a, a good year. I don't know why, but uh, Tucker got picked uh, right ahead of me in the seventh slot, just like in, in your round. But um and then Mookie Betts got picked right afterwards. And, you know, you could argue Tucker, uh, Betts, Soto, you know, good teams, great players. Can't go wrong. 
you know, one, one, one of them will have an injury. One of them will have a career year. And there's absolutely no way to tell. You know, it's yeah. just sometimes you just got to roll the dice and hope for the best, such as life. But here we are in the middle of spring training. And I put some players uh, on the notes are, that are having great spring training. And when I talk about great spring trainings, my mind always goes to Michael Franco. Uh, God, is that his name? He played for Kansas City. Like one spring training, he hit the most home runs in the history yep. of spring training and, and then went on the regular season and uh, didn't do – didn't do well at, at all. Michael Franco, I think he was like a third baseman for the Kansas City Royals. He was, City yeah. He started with Philly. I remember him very well. That's exactly right. And so I always like try to keep, but it's so hard. It's so hard not to get excited when you see Jared Kelnick, you know, kick three three balls out of the park. Of course, it's AAA, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter because are we ready to fall in love again with some of these players? Are you going to draft Jared Kelnick? My short answer, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, you know, um, on the podcast, we uh, Chris and I were able to interview Dave Sims um, last oh, cool. week for the for the Mariners, and um, he's super high on him and said that he looks great, um, swinging the bat really well. He's made some adjustments. He's a very cerebral guy, student of the game. I'm kind of in that mode now where I feel like I've kind of been burned twice. Um, I get addicted like a Chicago South side, you know, meth addict um, <laughs> to these guys that can give me double digit home runs and double digit steals. The guys on the podcast make fun of me all the time about it. They're like, that's Mike's drug. Those are the guys that Mike is always going after. Yeah. And I think, I think he has the ability to be able to do that. What I'm interested in with him, the thing that I'll really be watching though, is that I think Seattle did a really masterful job in the off season of building around what they have and adding some really key pieces. I mean, Colton Wong is a hell of a player, probably a better player in real life than he is in fantasy. Teoscar had a down year last year and still hit 25 home runs. I, I think that adding those guys, those are up, clear upgrades to me over what they had. They've got really good pitching. I think they're going to be good. And 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 Kelnick might not need to be the be-all and end-all that everybody thought he was going to be two years ago. You know, They've got Julio. They've got a bunch of guys around there that can support. If he just has an average year – you know, he could really get himself back squarely on the radar. The talent is there. The ability is there. I just don't know that, you know, a guy hitting 165 to me screams that there's a problem there, that, that there's something that's happening there that probably um, belies a, a greater issue. And and people that are smarter than me probably know what that is and look at it. Really what it probably is is not being able to hit off-speed stuff. And, and you know, that's going to have to be a, a place where he adjusts. But they also have insurance there. So there's a little bit of light pressure on him. They, you know, having A.J. Pollock there, an experienced veteran guy who can play all three outfield positions, is kind of a, hey, you know, get it in gear, buddy. You know, let's see what happens. I personally don't think that I'll be in on him unless there's a, a, a deep discount, which I don't think that there will be on him this year. I think somebody will be willing to pay a higher price than I am to get him. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, he's the classic, just total, you know, propped up prospect who killed it at every level of the minors and then came up and it just didn't work for, for whatever reason. There are a million different reasons. He just couldn't hit major league pitching. And like from what I've read, he kind of did his own thing. You know, he he had his own coaches. 
He had his own, you know, his own system, his own people. Well, apparently now that's kind of opened up a little bit and the Mariners are kind of getting him into the fold of what, what they want to do. And it looks like it's working, but you know, spring training, <laughs> what do you do? But that's, that's what it's spring training is for. It's time to get excited. He's only 23 years old. Mm-hmm. So, so he definitely can have a, a good season here and then the rest of his career can be great. So he's one player whose stock is probably rising because of these uh, off season plus spring training. Another guy who is totally skyrocketing is uh, Mr. Jordan Walker. Holy moly. Gosh, yeah. hot, too, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I love Jordan Walker, man, and and he he looks great. He he hits great. Like, how in the world are they going to keep him off the 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 roster? On did that you day? did you see him in the AFL when we were down there? I did. A man among boys. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, the body. I mean, I I know it sounds like a middle aged weirdo, but I'm yeah. like, I mean, you he looks the part, right? I mean, the guy is built like a brick shit house, and and is going to be a really good player. They're giving him those outfield reps. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting, Britton, was that uh, Ali Marmol was on MLB Network the other day and said that the center field job is an open competition. But he added a name that I wasn't thinking about. So he said it was between O'Neill, Carlson, and Newt Bar. Oh. I was surprised to hear Newt Bar's name in there. I hadn't anticipated that. So I'm, I'm guessing that when he says that, that the idea is – they have incredible depth on the on the roster, right? I mean, they've got Brendan Donovan, they've got Nolan Gorman, they've got middle infielders coming out their ears, Paul DeJong, you know, like they got all these guys that can play. But I don't think that they're going to bring Walker up to the major leagues unless they're really planning on playing him. He's a really young guy. Um, I don't know if St. Louis will play the the you know the the time manipulation like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant years ago, yeah, um, and do that kind of thing. They have the luxury to be able to do that, but. If we're facing facts, I mean, I think Walker's probably already a better player than O'Neill and Carlson for sure. Carlson has been kind of an epic disappointment, really. I mean, yep. I think a lot of people have been expecting him to start hitting, and it's just not really taking. Newt is a really pretty a, kind of an interesting player. I'm guessing that if he makes the team, they're not bringing him along as the 25th guy, that they're going to give him a starting role and kind of see how he does with it. He looks the part. We know that the league adjusts. Um, if he starts off hot and starts to slump, they can always send him down. He's a really young guy, but man, he really looks the, he really looks like the real deal. And from what I'm seeing in drafts, the, you know, the helium on him is very real because of that. I probably won't have a lot of shares of him um, unless it's an auction drafts where I get him at a discount later on, which I don't think will probably happen. I, ju- I just, with guys like that, I kind of want to hedge a little bit and say, show me, you know, I want, I, I kind of I kind of want to see it. I'm I'm a I'm a conservative drafter when it comes to like chasing the stats and stuff that I'm really kind of looking for. And I don't have a set time in my mind. Like I don't have to say, I I gotta have 300 home runs. I don't think about that. Uh, I try not to think about that. I try to look at see who's the best player available on the slot that I'm that I'm looking right there. He's a stud. He's going to be great. He's going to be a great player. It looks like. Um, does he start the season in St. Louis? If he does, then I think the helium goes up even higher on him. Um, we all love the shiny new toy, right? And fantasy baseball. Uh, I'm kind of of the aspect of I, I kind of want to see it first before I dive in fully. Yeah, I 100% agree. He's exciting. He's he's going to be great. He's 20 years old. 
I, 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 they, time is on the St. Louis Cardinals side in this situation. And Dylan Carlson hasn't been successful in his major league career, but uh, he's 24. So yeah, that's true too. I think they're, yeah, I think they're going to let, I think they're going to give Carlson a chance. Uh, I I think it's going to be O'Neill in center Carlson and then Lars Newtbar in either left or right. I don't know how they want to play left or right with uh, Newtbar and, and Carlson, but I think they're going to start out that way. And if it's a disappointing, you know, uh, come, come past like super two, but you know, there, then I think, you know, Walker will, will get his, get a shot, but I don't know. It's kind of a conservative organization. Um, and I don't think that on a superstar who's 20 years old when they've got so much depth and you talked about it, like Juan Yepes can pay can play outfield, you know, They've just got so many good players. Uh, Al, Alec Burleson. Yeah, who is, another, is another a, good ball player, yep. A stud lefty power bat that I actually saw in Memphis AAA at the auto zone. I mean, that guy can rip uh, baseball. A, a true power slugger mm-hmm. uh, who who is good. So uh, Jordan Walker is awesome. He's just got so many people in front of him that I think – it's not going, he's not going to be on the opening day roster, uh, not at 20 years old, but so that's Jordan Walker. He's for the Cardinals. Um, another guy, uh, Wander Franco, a lot of buzz on Wander Franco, this spring training, you know, he is the complete, I don't know if it's even we're at the post hype situation, but you know, who was rocketed up, you know, every single draft than Wander Franco. Mm-hmm. He he came to spring training that one year with like in a Lamborghini or something. <laughs> you know, just had all the swag and all the sizzle and then had some injuries last year. But now people are back on the Wander uh, Franco bandwagon. What about you? I am not. <laughs> I am um, I am I am one of probably the biggest critics of Wander Franco, not as a baseball player or as a human being. I don't know the man. I know nothing about him. He's 22. I'm old enough to be his dad, right? So, <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. This is what I really believe. I think that there are guys that are better players in real life than they are in fantasy. And I understand why people look at Wander Franco and want to project something that maybe is not there. I think this is a guy that has the potential. You see the swing. You see how he plays. He's a batting champion waiting to happen, right? I mean, this is a guy that could easily hit 320 this year. But here's my problem. 320 is great, but Luis Arise is going to hit 320 as well. Right. I don't think that Franco gives you the counting stats that you want in a, in a starting middle infielder. Now, that could be – there will be people that will listen to this and say, that's archaic thinking, Mike. It doesn't matter where I get the stats as long as I get them. But do you want a starting shortstop that's going to hit 15 home runs and steal 10 bases? Because if you do, then let me talk to you about Vaughn Grissom, right? Mm -hmm. Let me talk to you about some other guys because I I love Wander Franco as a baseball player. But if I'm drafting a shortstop in that area where he's going, I think his ADP has been somewhere in the 90s, I think. But I'd rather have Tim Anderson. I'd rather have Willie Adamas easily over over Wander Franco. And it's not a knock against him. I know people that are obsessed with Wander Franco that that think that he is going to be the next great thing. Very well could be. I just don't see that power developing exp- exponentially 
I don't see him going from eight home runs to like 30. I just don't see that happening. And if I'm going to be doing that, like I took Adamus in my, in the TGFBI draft, right? Oh, he's so underrated. You know, he he's hit great. 30, 30 yeah. home runs last year. And yeah. it's like the most under, you know, under the radar. Like, yeah. Uh, and he stole 10 bases too. Right. So like he, he's going to play every day. They have no competition for him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd rather have that than Wander Franco. I think he's a terrific boy, baseball player. I think, my dad sees him play in Tampa all the time and says, man, this guy, is, he's got the hands. He's terrific. I totally agree. But again, maybe a better player in real life than what he is in fantasy. He's only 22. There's time for that to develop if he changes the way that he goes about his business or whatnot. He probably shouldn't. It made him a millionaire the way that he's doing things. Yeah, so I think he's probably okay. But I don't think that I will ever have him on a fantasy team because – the only way that I would consider taking him would be if I needed a middle infielder slot because I would not take him as my starting shortstop. I just wouldn't. Yep. He he's got kind of a Yoan Moncada feel to him. Uh, don't and- say don't say dirty things to me, Britton. <laughs> don't talk about Yoan Moncada. Su- super. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry, Mike. But yes, su- <laughs> super prospect status that just you know. Uh, that just never quite kicked up to the level that it, it, it people were projecting. Well, so you no. know, you, you know, Britain though, Yoan Moncada is in the quote unquote best shape of his life this summer, this spring. I mean, he he looks good. I wish <laughs> I wish him the best, but uh, yeah, Wander Franco is definitely one of those one of those guys. You're either in or you're out, and I personally am out. Uh, uh, but. Uh, there's a, a couple pitchers I wanted to talk to you about. Here's here's one player that I'm totally buying in on this whole spring training. Uh, you know, helium that that is like sweet sweet nothing whispers. You know, <laughs> uh, is Clark Schmidt for the New York Yankees? I think Clark Schmidt had a great end of the year last year when there were injuries. They called him up. His strikeout rate, all his metrics got better he only had like i can't remember like nine starts or something like that but as the sea as his starts went on he got better and unfortunately for frankie montas he's out for the season with uh shoulder surgery i believe and so that last that coveted fifth uh rotation starter for the new york yankees is pretty much coming down and you tell me if i'm wrong between uh domingo Herman and clark schmidt and may Clark Smith's just a better pitcher. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah, I think, you know, the injury to Montas is huge here. We also know that Cortez has uh, uh, slowed a little bit, but Schmidt is that kind of post-type sleeper guy that you can get that's kind of flying under the radar that looks like he's going to have a job, and he's going to have a job on one of the best teams in baseball. Um, there are a lot of pundits who sort of feel that Schmidt is better used in a bullpen role. However, I think this is tailor-made for him to walk in uh, and be a starter in New York. And I am in on that. I think that the, where he's going and the places that he might be going in drafts, I think he provides you the opportunity to get some value. This is a guy that was their top prospect not that long ago. He's now 27. They've got nothing to wait on. They've got nothing to lose by running him out there and giving him a shot. So I think that the job will be his. I, I don't see any other – I mean, I guess you could. You never know, right? I mean, they could have it. They could acquire somebody at the last minute or somebody gets cut and they add somebody in. But right now I think Schmidt, in, you know, is slotting in into Montes' spot and um, looks like he's got a, 
a, a, a place to be in that rotation. You know, steamer, steamer doesn't love him. Um, I know that the K rate's a little middling. I mean, you'd, you'd like to have a guy that throws a little bit more K's, but you're also not drafting Clark Schmidt to be your ace. If you're looking at Clark Schmidt as a sixth or seventh starter on a, on an NFBC team, I think you could do a hell of a lot worse. True. And also, you know, uh, Carlos Radon has been known to have an injury or two, not recently, but no, he just, no, but he just signed that big new contract. So he, he may go on the IL for a little while, uh, at Severino too. So I think Clark's going to get, going to get an opportunity, whether or not he wins it out of, uh, opening day or not, but he's going to get, he's going to get starts for the New York Yankees. His, his ADP is, uh, over 300. So yeah, I, I totally think he's, agree. I think he's worth a shot. And let's uh, talk about our main topic. Mike, this is one of my favorite targets uh, to, to try to focus on because veteran players, it's called the, the bounce back players, you know, mm-hmm. and veteran players have bad years. I'm 45 years old. I've had many bad years. <laughs> it happens. Bad ones than good ones. Yeah. Right? I, I, I've had good years. I've had bad years, but I love those players when you look like that have historically been productive and then, but you know, there's the recency bias where a player has a down year for injury, personal reasons, whatever the case may be, they get written off because, Hey, Wander Franco is 22 years old and damn, he looks good. You you know? So those older kind of veteran players get, you, you can get a discount. I think it's a buying opportunity. And one of my favorite players for years has been Anthony two bags, Rendon, who signed? Who won the you know the World Series with the Nationals? Signed that big, huge contract, and uh-huh. has not been heard of since, except uh, on the injury reports. But this year, he looks healthy. I love, love, love the Angels this year. I love the lineup. I love Otani. I love Trout. I love Taylor Ward leading off. I think it's going to be. Uh, they, they got some new pitchers. I'm excited about Detmers and Sandoval. I think mm-hmm. there's like a winning thing going on. And I think Rendon is going to be part of it and worth a 17th round backup, you know, uh, pick for like your third baseman or your corner. Now, maybe not a starting corner, uh, you know, sure, hopefully. Sure. that's probably going to be a first baseman, I would imagine, because it's so deep. But I think Anthony Rendon as a bounce back, like if he's going to bounce back, this is the year because man, he has bounced nowhere the past two years. So what do you think about uh, uh, Anthony Rendon? Yeah, he's, he hasn't really, he hasn't really bounced. He's just felt kind of fallen flat and been dead. Um, you know, <laughs> he, right. had the, he had the wrist injury. Um, he's had some, uh, the injury with the hip, which was pretty well documented. Um I agree with your stance on the idea that I'm not interested in him as my starting third baseman, but if I can get him as a corner, uh, I'm intrigued because uh, Jeff Zimmerman, if you get, if, if your followers don't read mining the news, you have to change that immediately because hundred percent Zimmerman's he's the greatest. I mean, he just guys, he's a great guy. He, he's an unbelievable writer. It's super talented, but you know, if you look at this team and what the angels are doing, uh, we had Jeff Fletcher on the podcast a couple of weeks back. Rendon's going to bet cleanup on this team, Britton. Oh, I yeah. Mean, so Taylor Ward's going to probably lead off, then Trout, then Otani. He might knock in 2,000 runs. You know yes. what I mean? Like, so he, even when he's been hurt, he's been productive. So if he's able to somehow miraculously put together a 120 game season, I think this is a bounce back candidate. And I do think that 
This is the kind of guy that, given that at bat, given those at bats, and given health, is a league winner for you. You know, I mean, if you look at the Angels and the depth that they've that they've gotten, they're hedging a little bit too, right? I mean, they got Gio Urshela who can play shortstop and third base. They got David Fletcher who's probably going to be a utility guy and kind of rotating around. Uh, you know, they signed Brandon Drury, who they're ostensibly going to play at second base. They've got Walsh, who is going to play first. There's been some talk that Rendon's also going to play a little bit of first base, too. I don't know how true that is or what's going to happen. But if this is a guy that's healthy and Zimmerman says he's healthy, which means he probably is, um, somebody definitely you should be targeting in that range. A 17th round pick on a guy that was productive. His last year that he was fully healthy, 34 home runs, 119 RBIs, top five in the MVP discussion. This is a guy that you want to target there at that point if he's healthy. Um, if you start hearing about the nickel and dime injuries, you might want to go elsewhere. But, yeah, I, I like him this year. He's going to have a good year with the Angels at some point. It hadn't happened yet. So it's kind of like, of course, that's a fallacy. Like, Mike, I love to go to casinos. I love gambling. So, like, when I walk up to, to the roulette table and I see nine reds in a row, I'm going to just go ahead and bet on black because it's got to be black at some point, right? It can't be all exactly. red all the, all the time. But, I, you know, I also have a soft spot for Anthony Rendon, man. He's got the coolest hairdo ever. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just a cool dude with cool hair. His, his nickname is Two Bags. I'm like, I don't know. I just I just want Anthony Rendon to be uh, successful. And I hope he is. And I, I love that team. But here's another player I also like who is a total – as a bounce back, a totally different vibe and atmosphere, kind of a stoner looking dude, uh, former MVP uh, with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Of course, I'm talking about Cody Bellinger. Uh-huh. I mean, this guy has gone from the pinnacle, literally one of the best hitters in the National League to I don't know if disgrace is a word I would use because he's still making $20 million a year. You know, there's nothing disgraceful about that, but, you know, shipped off and, uh, or, or let go non-tendered, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. by the Dodgers. And so he signed a contract with the, uh, Chicago Cubs. And now with the, in the friendly, what, one of the, my favorite places to go watch a baseball game is of course, Wrigley field. And I know that's, that, that's not a uncommon opinion, and uh, I love Wrigley Field. I think he's going to love Wrigley Field. And also with the shift change, it's not mm-hmm. a ban per se, but it's definitely a, a major modification of shift rules. As a left-handed batter, I've read some things. I don't know, but I've read some things that say this is going to favor him and turn some hits in. Do you have any any interest in uh, outfielder Cody Bellinger for the Cubs? Yeah, I mean – Really, probably just as a fourth or fifth outfielder, I, I I think he's maybe worth the gamble. He the one thing that we know that's going to happen is with the amount of money that the Cubs paid him and his defensive prowess in center field, he's going to play every day. They don't they don't really have another great option to play center field. I mean, they've got Christopher Morrell, but there's a lot of talk that he's going to play third base primarily with Wisdom there as well. So Bellinger's probably going to get 550, 600 at bats, and they're going to see if he can work it out. Now again. They, the proverbial they, say a lot. And he's revamped the swing. He's supposedly completely overcome the shoulder injury, which was far more serious than anybody had really thought it was. 
Um, and wasn't that shoulder injury over like a high five? Uh, it was in the uh, World Series. Yeah, they were celebrating, and he yanked his. I think he hit his shoulder out of the socket, and it really oh messed up. Really messed him up, you know. So goodness gracious. Um, I, I think that they're going to have an opportunity to find out what they have there. It's a year. It's a prove it deal. He's twenty seven. Like you said, he was an MVP a few years ago. Now he gets cut by his team. He's probably pretty hungry. Um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I I think he's going to play a lot for the Cubs. I think that they're banking on that. I think that they're paying him to do that. So from the volume standpoint, we know that he probably will fall into double-digit home runs, probably in the high teens, and probably double-digit steals somewhere between 12 and 15. He yeah. could be one of those guys that can benefit from the shift change like you said he could also be one of the guys that benefits from having the bigger bases in some ways too so if he can chip in a few more bags you know he might be somebody that's a good buy low candidate and see it's not going to help you in batting average but he's not a 210 hitter either i don't think i i think that that average will probably be closer to 230 if you can get that later in drafts i think it's worth the gamble i don't think that i think anybody who's thinking that he's going to go back to hitting 47 home runs again i i think that that's not going to happen i don't think that those days are coming back. Right. But he could definitely hit 20 to 25 with, you know, 10 to 15 stolen stolen bases. And if your expectations are that, then then he probably won't disappoint. But, uh, you know, just kind of looking at him, man, he looks broken. You know, not not maybe not physically, but mentally just – can you imagine how hard that is on you? No. Being, being the uh, – the NL MVP on one of the highest profile organizations. And then you struggle so much, whether it's injuries or what, whatever it is. And you, it's just not clicking. And then you talk to your team and they're like, Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to offer you anything in arbitration. We're we're not tendering you. So you're going to be a free agent, you know, love you, wish you the best. And you're just like, what do you do? But you know, that's all anecdotal, but you know, 27 years old, that is a young man um, yeah. who yeah. can who can bounce back and not not become MVP again. I don't think you know the, the odds of that are very very low, but still you know be productive. So I'm, I'm rooting for Cody Bellinger, man. I, I hope he has a good season there and and uh, and if it's in like the you know twelfth thirteenth round of a fifteen team. Not saying mine, but you know, let me look. Yeah, here he is. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, if he's still on there, uh, I might take a shot on Cody Bellinger. It'd have to be later for me, but I understand your point. I think that that's um, a guy that if he kind of continues to slide, that I would not mind taking a shot on at some point. All right, that's Cody Bellinger with the uh, Chicago Cubs. Good luck, Cody. Here's another player I'm really interested in. I'd love to get your take. It's Jorge Soler. If he's healthy, and that and I know that's a big if, but if he's healthy and he bats second every day, like 140 games, which he can do for the Miami Marlins, I think he can hit 35-plus home runs. And Jorge Soler had a back problem that kept him out of last year, but – he could be a very serious candidate for for um, uh, they don't call it bounce back uh, player of the year um, comeback comeback come yeah yeah he, he could do that he's he's done the he's done the the, the power hitting home runs what do you think about uh, Jorge Soler yeah you know I, it's an interesting guy you know this is a, a player that if you go back and look at the history a little bit more deeply uh, historically. You know, the last the last few years in 2019 he played 162 games and 21 he played 
149. And, and when he's played, he's been productive in terms of the home runs, right? I mean, in 19, he had 48 home runs and everybody was crazy about him because he also had 265, which was inflated. You know, he um, he had a, a really high BABIP that year. It was like 340 or something like that, I think. Um, so long story short, I think um, if you're if you're looking later in a draft and you want power, I think if he's healthy, he's going to easily walk into 25 home runs. He's not going to help you with steals. He's not going to help you at bad and average. His RBI numbers are probably fairly middling. But if you if you need somebody that's going to pop 25 home runs, Solera could be a guy that could easily do that. He's still relatively young, too. He's only 31. So um, it's not like he's a broken toy here or, or a misfit toy. This is somebody that could re- regain a level of production. And I, and I think that where he's at, like you said, I mean, um, in Miami – He's going to get an opportunity to prove it because what else do they really have to run out there if they're not running him out there? You know? Yeah, and that's a that's a lineup I love to watch too with Jazz Chisholm Jr. hitting leadoff, ready to do his Jazz thing out there. He's uh, amazing. I love him as a player. So exciting. And then either uh, Luis Saraz, I guess, might hit second, or or I don't know how they'll do it, but but Soler's going to be up there. If he stays uh, healthy and has a, you know, 600 plate appearances, which is a big if for a guy that's 31 years old. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I wonder what his contract status is. Let me let me take a look. Oh, so, um, Soler, Soler has, um, I think he had a three-year, um, like maybe a three-year contract for like 35, 36 million. Yeah. But I, I think I was, he's... I think yeah, he signed I, it before last year. It was kind of a shocker. Like people thought he was going to get more than he did, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he, it looks like he's got a just like you said a three year contract. He's in the second year, and he has an opt out after this year. But he's making twelve million a year. Uh, but you, you know, like we said, Andrew Benatendi got seventy five million. I mean, you know, uh, if he had if he has a good year, he can opt out and. Uh, get that AAV up a little bit. Not that he's hurting for, for cash, but no, no, no. I think I focus a little too much on that. I really do. Like I, one of the first things I I look not only the numbers and the stats, but I also look at contract situations and Mm -hmm. if, and I want to do a podcast too, at some point that talks about players and their contract years, just because I think that that gives every player who's already pushing themselves to the limit, that teeny tiny little extra that, is the difference between a good year and a great year. You, you know? bet. So I think all these players, I think they're so much smarter than players 20 years ago that didn't look at war and, you know, kind of stuff like that because now it's 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 a game where uh, there, there's so much money involved and your your worth is, is not your batting average. It's not this, that, and the other. It's your war and, you know, things of that nature that all the teams look at because – you know, uh, it, all the money ball, all those MIT grads that speak a different language than I do mm-hmm. are looking at all these stats and saying these are the players to play because they're valuable on 99 different levels, not just how many home runs you hit. Right, you know, right, things, exactly. Things of that nature. All right, well, we're, we're closing on an hour. I don't want to take up too much of your time. There was one more guy I wanted to bring up and get your opinion on because he was one of my favorite players over the years. That's J.D. Martinez uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, he was uh, 
Uh, he was in the Tigers organization for years. And really, when he played for the Tigers, he had like one half season that kind of put him on the map. And mm -hmm. then after that, he went to uh, the Red Sox and had some good things happen, some bad things happen. Well, now he's he's free as a bird, and he's signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is a nice landing spot at sure any is. at any part of anyone's career. But it looks like he's going to be the uh, full time uh, DH. He's yes. thirty. He's thirty five years old. What do you think about JD Martinez in uh, Los Angeles this year? I think you could see a, a mild uh, bounce back there. Honestly, I think um, he's reunited with his 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 hitting coach Robert Van Skyak, who's there, and there's a lot to be said for that. That's who he had success with, and who really knows his swing. Oh, that's a great and, point. Yeah, yeah. So, so it sounds like they've done some revamping. Um, I don't think the days of 40 home runs are coming back at 35, but I don't see any reason why he couldn't hit 25 there playing DH full-time. I think that the Dodgers view him as an upgrade over Justin Turner, who they were going to use as their DH primarily, it looks like. Now, God only knows what's going to happen now with everything that happened to Gavin Lux this week with tearing his ACL and his MCL and what the moving around there will be. But I don't see JD playing in the field, even if they needed that. So I think DH just allows him to focus on being a better hitter and, and kind of trying to rediscover the things that you know, made him be the, the player that he once was. But, you know, this is a guy that's a couple of years removed from being really um, an outstanding player. But if you go back to just 2021, he had 28 home runs and had 99 RBIs and hit 286. Like those are yeah. stats that you can use. Right. So he's, he, he's done it before. He's done it for many years. Um, he's going to be on a pretty good team. You'd like to think that, uh, as long as he kind of keeps this the strikeout rate under control, which he's been doing, I think he's going to be okay. I think the, the steamer doesn't like him as much as what I do. They're calling for 250, 21 home runs, 73 RBIs. I think that's a conservative estimate for him. I think he can far surpass those numbers. Couldn't agree more. That's a great, great analysis for uh, one last hot take to, to end the podcast where, cause we're coming up uh, around an hour. So I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but sure. I, no. I've, got, I've got a bounce back hot take. Uh, have you ever had a hot take before? I don't know how hot it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what I think are hot takes usually aren't very hot. They're, They're not hot takes, at all. I would I'm say. Not, I'm not sure I'm capable of a hot take to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, Mike, but uh, I think here's my bounce back hot take. I think Nelson Cruz is going to hit 32 home runs as the full-time DH for the Padres, wow. bat, batting fourth behind Bogart, Soto, and Machado. He's going to bat fourth. He's going to get uh, – he, he's, he's won every award in his career. He's reached every milestone anyone could hope to, but he's never won a World Series. So now he's, he's in his um, age 42 year. I don't care. I really don't. He had an eye problem last year. He got yeah. that fixed. He's on the Padres. He's with Manny Machado. Oh, and let's not forget there's that other guy. He probably played with his dad, Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, mentoring these guys. I think will give them some juice. I want, okay, not necessarily believe it. Well, I do believe it, but I want Nelson Cruz to have the ultimate bounce back year to end his career hit 30 plus home runs with all the counting stats with all those great players 
and get the Padres a World Series for him and all those other great players. How, is that that I don't know how hot that is, but I'm starting to get a little hot under the collar. But that could be the wine. That's a hot take. <laughs> no, I think I think that is a hot take. I you know, the, the one question that I have is. Um, with all of the mouths to feed there in San Diego is how many at bats is he really going to get? I mean, I, I, I worry, you know, at age 40, I, I, I always root for the old guys cause I'm an old guy. I'd like to, I'd love to see him do it. And there's, he's definitely capable of doing it. If last year was really attributed to the eye problems that he was having and he got those fixed, he's hitting in probably the best lineup in baseball. So uh, there's, he's got that going for him. Yeah. I guess the thing that I war- that I am concerned about is at forty, and and probably you know DH obviously is not going to play in the field. It, it, does he get play in any more than ninety games or a hundred games? Because I think if that happens, then I think you have to have a question and be a little concerned about the at bats, you know, because um, the power is still there. I mean, I think even if he falls out of bed, he'd still be able to hit ten home runs when he's fifty in the major leagues. But uh, I, I'm I, I'm hedging my bets a little bit on that. I'm not super high on him, but. I think if he falls in the right situation and you're looking for a late roll of the dice on power, you know, he's proven that he can do it and he's done it at an older age than most people have done it. So I, I think that's a pretty hot take, Britton. And, and, and to further wild speculation on this hot take, I'm going to put a little napalm on this hot take. He's 42 years old. He signed a one-year deer one year deal with the, the the Padres and it's only for a million bucks. Like he's not doing this for the money. He, he doesn't need money at nope. this point in his career, no, he doesn't. No. but you, you know what he does need is playing time. And you know what you do for that? You get the cream, you get the clear and you rub it all over. I mean, not anymore, but whatever the new stuff is because Hey honey, baby, there is no next year. And if I get suspended next year, who cares? I'm going to retire anyway. So. Yeah, the, the only problem with that thought process is that the league is all high on Fernando Tatis, right? So you got to consider that piece of it too, that he's they're going to probably be sneaking around that guy because he's kind of an idiot so far, right? So <laughs> He's going to create his own problems. You know, yeah, you know. exactly. And I say that with all due respect. I I, I think Fernando Tatis uh, he's is a, a fantastic player. No oh, doubt gosh. About it. He's so dynamic. And I don't know if you can uh, – obviously, this is an audio podcast, but if you can see I'm wearing my Ronald Acuna uh, uh, Roto-Wear T-shirt. The, uh, I, I, love, uh, I love those exciting players and – and I, I wish uh, uh, Nelson Cruz uh, the best hitting uh, designated hitter all year for the Padres, hopefully, will be the ultimate bounce back player. But, Mike, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love talking to you. And you took the time to come on and talk some baseball with me. I really appreciate it. And I want everyone to go check out uh, the Fantasy Baseball Beat. It's a podcast with him, uh, Mr. Marcano, Mr. Torres, where they get a uh, a beat baseball writer from every team to come on and talk about all the inside information that you can handle. And that's what you want. And that's what makes it great. So please go listen to that. And also please go follow Mike on Twitter at MDRC0508. So when he posts the podcast and his, his articles that, that you can uh, read it and digest it because it's all the good information for insane fantasy baseball people like us. So uh, that's it. Uh, we are done for the podcast.
Thank you, Mike, for everything. And um, I will talk to you soon. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm glad to be on the show. I hope you'll have me back on again at some point. Awesome. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good.